Hey, welcome back to the Path Design Podcast. Visit us online at pathdesign.com, all those things. You know what to do. Subscribe, won't you? Let me know that I'm not just talking to myself down here, would you? Thanks for listening. An invitation to the perpetual Passover. Man, we're going to jump right in. I don't have time to do all these backlogs of like, I love doing that, like reviewing where we've been. There's not time. Man, we're going to gobble up too much time covering where we've been. Go back and listen to part one. We're moving on. Okay, so we we did end in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, where Yahweh God comes to Moses, and what does he say? He says, listen, I know what's been going on with all the plagues. The frogs come, the blood comes, and y'all don't leave. But listen, things are about to change. I'm delivering my people. There's one more plague that's coming, and you're getting out. Pharaoh is going to drive you out, a key word here, completely. You're out, okay? Moses, of course, has to act on that word in faith. He has to believe that, you know what? I'm in charge of all these people. I hope God's going to give us some direction, which, of course, we know he does, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But I want to make sure that this this is going to be a redundant point within this study. Again, focused on Passover, but still constantly reflecting back on this overreaching biblical pattern of the continuity of this particularly Passover, but the continuity in biblical principles and accounts. There's nothing here. I feel like I'm doing this now in all these videos. New Testament, Old Testament, not related. It again, again is a timeline established by Yahweh God that is consistent and perpetual not replacement of what was. It continues. Okay? So this biblical pattern is throughout the entire Word of God. The first Passover. It's a promise of deliverance, right? That's where this exact verse in, in Exodus 11.1 1 has us, is Yahweh God is saying, look, your, your deliverance, your exodus, it's about here. You're about to be free. Stay tuned, if you will, (laughs) because I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you what to do, and guess what? We're going to have to get to this, too, as part of this study. There are requirements, prerequisites, for those who will be delivered to follow. You will not be delivered just by inheriting God's acts, okay? God's grace, His mercy, His compassion, His movement in all the heavens to orchestrate the people of God. You will not just inherit that. There are things you must do that what? Is the continual pattern. We'll get there later. So there's a promise of deliverance at the first Passover. The blood of the slain lamb. And then, because again, put on the lentil and the doorposts. And then the fulfillment of Passover in Yeshua. When Jesus came, what? We, We can only just touch on this with like topics we already know. The slain lamb, capital S, capital L, the slain lamb, a promise of deliverance, okay? In Yeshua, the perfect slain lamb, he was the prophesied Messiah. All the things in Isaiah, all the precursors that were foretold, same, synonymous, slain lamb, slain lambs, slain lamb, okay? Synonymous. A, pro- a promise of deliverance through the Son. One in the same. Jesus did not have some new idea. Okay? 
this is all intricately interwoven together. We're going to touch real quick on Exodus chapter 13, verse 3. After the institution of the Passover ordinance. To what? To keep it forever. Consecration of the people followed. Consecration of the people followed the ordinance that followed their deliverance. Okay, there was something to be done. Do we understand this? There is always something to be done that we have to admit is dependent upon us. The grace-only people that I know plenty of say, you know what? I can't do anything good. It's all in Jesus. And if I do anything, it's in works. It's just works. If I do something, it's just my flesh and it's works. So I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to, what? I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to rest. Yeshua did it all. I'm resting. That's not what the Bible teaches us. We're not earning God's favor. We're not earning salvation. We're not earning sanctification. We're not earning anything. Our response, if we're spiritual men, according to the doctrine of the Word of God, the wholeness of it, we are men who are empowered by the slain lamb to become pleasing, living sacrifices. Before Yahweh God the Father, we're empowered to do something. Did Yeshua Messiah just, by happenstance, grow up to be uh, an adult man who just climbed up on the cross and said, it's finished. I just waited for all these years to pass to be the fulfillment. Or the other twisted doctrine is he did absolutely everything. He did all the work. He did all the suffering. He did all of the laboring so I don't have to do anything. Friends, this is ridiculous. This is, this is like the doctrine of laziness. This is the doctrine of spiritual depravity. I just bask in the goodness of God. Oh, that's shameful. <laughs> it's shameful. And that's why the church looks the way she does. Can we not just be honest? Why in the world does the church look the way she does? Why does she look lethargic? Because the grace-filled people are just sitting there on the couch, chilling out in the favor of God, in the finished work of the cross. There's nothing left to be done, right? Jesus paid it all. He paid it all? Yeah, he did. Why? So you can get off your tush and go do something in his name even greater. What about that? If we're not supposed to do anything, how in the world do we ever get to doing greater? Is doing greater doing nothing? No. I could get distracted right here. So let's get back to the text, shall we? In 13.3, after the institution of Passover and the ordinances to keep it forever, consecration followed. The principle of unleavened came into play. Hmm. Who have I heard talk about that? Paul. Was Paul in Exodus? Where is he at? Oh, yeah. No. Leavened, unleavened. We're going to get to that as well. This is the exact same principle that we see Paul continue to deliver to the church that, again, was not a new idea, was not a new concept. I have an idea. I'm going to relate sin to leaven. Oh, well, why would he have done that? Because these were Hebrew people who knew what that meant. They knew it. It was ingrained in their being as the people of God. He was using dialect that was his own, and was theirs. Hebrew people speaking to Hebrew people. Jews talking to Jews. Writing to Jews. Are you Jewish? Probably not. Maybe. 
We have to remember what we're reading. We're reading text written by a culture to a culture that is not Christian American. It's sure not Roman. It's not. It's not Catholic. It's not rooted in 4th, 5th, 6th, and on century new church either. It's not. You know why? Oh my gosh. We have to understand what we're talking about. We have to understand what we're even saying. Paul continued to talk about and deliver to the church this side of Yeshua, the same principle. Being sanctified. He said, be sanctified, be consecrated. What? Be set apart, be distinct. Don't let leaven get into your life. Be different, be distinct. Be a set-apart people. We're going to get to that as well. There's no new religion started post-Messiah. It's perpetual. It goes on to say, Sanctify for me every firstborn in 13.3, post-Passover. The people are delivered. They're going out. Hey, now we start being distinct. We start being a people of distinction, y'all. Holiness. We've been told in modern Christianity, in myself, I taught it out of my own mouth. Holiness is somehow an attribute. I'm holy. I'm holy because I don't watch TV. I'm holy because I don't go to the movies. I'm, I'm holy because I don't follow news. I'm holy because I don't cuss. I'm holy because I don't drink alcohol. Just attributes. No. It's an identity. It is a consecrated, set-apart, circumcised, if you will, we'll get to that, heart that says, you know what? I'm marked. I'm different. It's an inward reality. It's an inner distinction that, of course, looks like something on the outside. If it doesn't look like something on the outside, you're a whitewashed tomb and there's nothing really of substance in there. But if it's real and if it's genuine... You know, we try to fix all these periphery issues. Well, maybe if I, maybe if I don't or do add or remove, I'll be holy. Listen, it's a heart issue. We're going to get to the circumcision of the heart. Old Testament, New Testament, same, synonymous, exactly the same, taught by Paul. And in Exodus, it's the same. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to do what? We know this, right? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. What is that? It's sanctification. Exactly like Exodus, when God put this upon his people for the first time. Be separate. Come out, huh? Irony. Come out from among them. What was the whole issue? They kept wanting to take Egypt with them. Why? It was in their heart. Paul said the exact same thing. Look, man, y'all want to come into Yeshua? You want to come into Messiah? You want to be regenerated, born again? Well, here's the problem. Yes and amen, but you can't bring all that garbage with you. You can't bring all the idolatry with you in your heart now. It's got to remain. Get it out. Get out what? The leaven. The sin. Be consecrated, he said in Romans 12. This is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Why? Prove that the will, what the will of, the, of God is. It's good. It's acceptable. Acceptable. It's perfect. 
How do we know what that is? If we're just, we don't know any boundaries. If we don't know the commands of God, how do we know even what is good, perfect, and acceptable? Who tells us what it is? Who teaches us what it is? Why did they, how did they write the, the, the New Testament? What was the gospel based upon? Why was the first, second century church just inundated with people? What were they being taught? Were they being taught revelation and prophecy to come? No. Were they taught Galatians, Ephesians? Oh, Romans, Hebrews? Y'all. They were taught the law and prophets. That's what brought the church in. The unification of the law and the prophets meeting the revelation of Yeshua Messiah, the God-man. Emmanuel, God with us, connecting with God, tabernacling with men creating a new race of people and humanity now moving from the bloodline of first Adam into the bloodline of last Adam, Yeshua. And we just say, hey, Susie, do you want Jesus in your heart, little girl? No, it's embarrassing. This is another embarrassing doctrine of the church. We have to mature. We have to grow. We have to Give ourselves to the more of what this entails and requires of us. Be sanctified, just like the firstborn now. God said, sanctify for me your firstborn, right? Paul continues this. Be sanctified, a living holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, received by him, capable to be received by him. By what? Getting out the leaven. Get the sin out. It's, it's, it's corrupting your whole being. What we see in the New Testament is not new ideas. Especially about this Passover principle that comes through through Jesus, Yeshua. John the Baptist said something interesting. What did he say? Behold someone, the Lamb of God. Why did he say that? John the Baptist, who was just this weirdo living in the woods, training his entire life to what? To declare the coming Messiah. It's why he existed. Brought up in the same traditions as Yeshua himself now. Behold, this is the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53 prophesied Messiah as a lamb led to the slaughter. Why did he say that? He was raised according to these traditions. The prophesied lamb that would fulfill and directly represent the first time around, the Passover lambs. These people kept the feasts of the Lord. They kept Passover, y'all. We do know that, right? On both sides. <laughs> I never knew this until recently, over the last 12 months. I never knew that the original New Testament post-ascension Holy Spirit coming down church celebrated the feasts. But with each passing generation. I taught on this just the other day. Why did Paul exhort everyone and say, look, y'all. I taught on this about prophecy the other day. Why did Paul say with such tenacity, listen, the second I'm out of here, people are coming in like wolves. And guess what? They're among you. They're one of you. 
And they're going to lead you astray. What are they going to lead you astray to? Men's ways, men's traditions, men's calendars, men's ideas of what is a better way, a new way, a new idea that opposes the way of Yeshua Messiah who mirrored the Father. He, he issued this warning time and time again. Wolves that are in this house are coming for you as soon as I'm out. So what does he do? He trains Timothy. He disciples Timothy. So we have another passing on, if you will. And then Timothy disciples. And then we start to see this decline in history of the church. The explosion of the laws of God, the eternal ways of God and how he dealt with his people, meeting head on the Emmanuel reality and this explosion of transformation through humanity. People coming in from all different kinds and walks of life. Why? The grafting in mystery, y'all. They got it. They understood it. Why? Because men like Paul came and he said, what? Everything you've learned, friends, I'm not saying in any way, hey, forget all that stuff. This is the culmination of the ages. You can come into the fullness through Yeshua Messiah the Son. It's amazing. It's incredible. And as that came, explosion by like numerically. Why don't we see that anymore, people? Why don't we see that now in this age of grace where you don't do anything, you're just basking in the finished work of Messiah, trying to be the New Testament church? I'm telling you, what if we can't? What if we can't until we go back to what the first, second, and kind of the third century church in Acts did, which was the feast, which was Passover, why did Yeshua sit down with his disciples and do that meal? Because that's what they always did. He had done that his whole life. That's what everyone did. So John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Peter gave us a warning. I just want to touch on this real quick and we'll move. Because again, there's this, there's this broad net, if you will, about just the mystery of Paul's teachings and what he's saying. It's like light's just coming on in me as I listen to men teach and like just throws in the face of everything I've been taught about how Paul hated Torah. Paul hated the law. It's such twisting and manipulation to fit our do-nothing gospel, the new religion Jesus. And we abandon without even knowing now. That's what's been convicting in my own life. In ignorance, true ignorance. Look up ignorance in the dictionary. You'll see my name. And you might see yours. We have just not been taught. We've not been trained. Why? Because what Paul said came, into, it came to fruition. Because guess what? The wolves look like us. They're in podiums. They're on YouTube videos. If, if we're not careful, they'll be our brothers. And they're just saying, they're, in, 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 they're inserting lies and deception. Why? It says to devour us, to consume us, and distract us.
from what Paul said. Look, you know what I've taught you. You know what you've been trained to do. You know the commands of God. Don't stray from it because people are going to come in and they're, excuse me, they're going to gobble it up and they're going to spit you out. Ignorant, deceived. Friends, I'm saying as a, at least as a question, is it possible that's happened for you? It happened for me and my, my eyes are being opened. My eyes are being opened and all these things I've been taught for 40, 45 years saying, you know what, Joel, law is bad. Law is bad. Don't you know Jesus came and he addressed all of the Pharisees and Sadducees, evil men. That's so kindergarten understanding, y'all. And I'm being challenged with that every day of my life right now. I know so, so little because I've been taught errantly. But it's my responsibility. It's my fault too. So Peter knew this. He knew Paul was speaking. He's like, Peter's giving this warning. Like, listen, y'all, you better be careful with these teachings of Paul because he's kind of, he's talking crazy. He says this, even as our own beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. Also in his epistles, he's speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable depend upon. Listen, that's us. We're unstable. We're unlearned. So we read things like Paul and we say, okay, we think we understand because it fits what we've been taught our whole lives in the corporate body of the modern day church. But it's error. But it's complex and it takes something beyond our average understanding to get it. Paul, or Peter rather, knew this towards Paul's teachings. But he says, this is causing disruption, confusion. As, as with other scriptures, unto their own destruction. I'm just saying, the verbiage is the same. The false teachers come in, they devour, they destroy. False teaching does not have to be like, oh man, wow, I can tell that guy's a wolf. Woo, boy, that's clear. Now, I'm not saying we can't do that, but if we're not careful, what? The elect will be deceived, led astray. Why? Because it tickles the ear. This is what I talked about in that prophecy teaching a few days back. It tickles the ear. It aligns with my present doctrine. It doesn't offend me. True. Man, I watched that video. I read that book. That guy said, true. I'm in. Lock it in a safe. Put it in a vault of my heart. Untouchable doctrine. It destroys. It leads to our destruction. So what does this mean? Out of the proper context, Paul seemingly contradicts himself. Even towards things like the doctrines within Passover. Sin, leaven, unleaven, living sacrifice, what is for now and what was, what was for then. We're ignorant and we're confused. Worst of all, we don't even know it. <laughs> That's the worst part. We don't know. Let's just give ourselves to saying... Am I ignorant? There's no harm in that. It's only good. It sets us up for good. This is for another time, but Paul, Paul time and time again made some things clear about the leaders. 
And I have to read this because, again, this sets the table for this Passover discussion. Because of what? How we're told in the New Testament the examples of why Yeshua came and fulfilled Passover and why it was instituted in the first place. He said, I've committed no offense, not against the Torah to which the Jews hold, nor against the temple or the emperor. Because why? The leaders had come and they were throwing accusations about him, but they couldn't prove it. They were saying what? He's abandoning the teachings of Moses. He's abandoning Torah. He's a threat to the temple. He doesn't keep Passover. Do you hear what he's saying? What did he say? What did Paul say? I've committed no offense against the Torah. None. Why would he say that? I'm still doing these things. I'm still doing it. You've, you are trying me, which we know is in the text. You're trying me, but you're not finding me guilty. You're never finding me guilty. What's the, man, in some cases, he says, try me hard, question me. If I've been wrong, put me to death. If I've broken the laws of God, if I'm not keeping the laws of Moses, kill me. What did they say? We've got to let him go. Beat him, maybe. Chain him. But we have to let him go. Why? He's not coming against the law of Moses. He's not. He's doing that and clinging to Yeshua being the Messiah, which was the offense. He was the stumbling rock of offense towards those who said, look, I am the epitome of what you've been doing your whole lives. We've got to go deeper into these things and our understanding has got to shift. We're told in Mark chapter 11, this is interesting. We're going to kind of really hone down into Passover from here on out, I hope. Those who went before Yeshua. Yeshua's riding in on the donkey colt. Real quick backstory because this is thinking awesome. I'm realizing the more I talk, I'm like yesterday, man, like anybody I talk, hey, you know about Passover? <laughs> Can I tell you about Passover? The, the procession every year bring in the Passover lamb. The way I understand it now, and this could be wrong, I, I try to gather at least like a heaping helping of resources and praise the Lord for brothers in my life right now who know this stuff. Such an incredible asset. When the priests went out to get the sacrificial lamb that was in where, oh, here's some irony, Bethlehem. I did a study on this years ago from a brother who taught me 15 years ago, the Tower of the Flock, Magdali Dar. It's where they kept the pure spotless lambs. Jesus, Yeshua, was not born in a dirty, stinky stall full of cow manure. Seriously. Do you think, ah, oh, don't even get me started. He was born with the perfect, sacrificial, spotless, spotless, blemishless lambs. Goodness sakes, why is that so hard for us to understand the complexity and enormity of what God designs? So the priests go out, this procession, from what I've been told is about a day's journey to go retrieve the main Passover lamb. They come into the city, and the, the processional is going on every year now. Everybody's bringing their lambs, we know, for their household, right? We'll get into that as well. It's, man, it's this. Where in the world does this end? As they're doing that, Yeshua comes in riding the donkey. Everyone's already assembled. 
thousands of people, y'all, are assembled for the processional of the priests and the natural bringing in the slain lamb. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're waving palm branches, saying what? Hosiana. Hosiana. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. What are they saying as they had been saying for years now? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosiana, save us, O God. That's what they were saying. Save us, O great king. Rescue us, deliver us. Here comes the lamb. Receive us, please. And so somewhere in that middle section that I don't claim to have the, the knowledge towards, Yeshua comes riding in on the donkey, y'all. The slain lamb. The, the almost slain lamb. The perfect spotless lamb comes in instead of the natural lamb, the animal. And they're saying, Hosiana, waving. Save us. Save us, rescue us, deliver us, please. You're our only hope before a just God. Rescue us, please. They don't even, maybe don't even know what they're saying. Or maybe some do. And he comes in. And this is why this makes sense and why these things that we already know and many things perhaps we don't make sense and have clarity. What in the world would the priests have come in and felt when they saw this this demon man, Yeshua Messiah, claiming to be God in the flesh by his actions now, not in his words, because he never uttered that. He never told them. He said, what do you think I am? That's a whole nother day. Who do you say I am? They come in and they find this offender, the one who keeps calling them out because they're whitewashed tombs and they're speaking oral laws and traditions that are not in the law of Moses. Not because they're teaching Torah, because they're teaching their own ways. And they come in and they say, this is it. No more of this. We're taking him out. This is the ultimate offense. Him Now he's saying by his actions, he's the slain lamb? No. Can't take it. Seething. From that point on, they sought to murder Yeshua. Why? Because of that event right there. So when they're coming in, this is the point I wanted to make, and then we're going to bring out, uh, we're going to wrap up here, part two. Those, in Mark 11, the account there, says those who went before Yeshua, as he's riding the colt in, literally in the natural, people in the natural who went before him, and those who followed after him behind Yeshua on the colt. So we're talking in the natural, as he rode in, there are people in front of him, and there are people behind him. Both of these people declare, Hosiana. Hosiana. This is no new idea. Why did they say that? Why would they say Hosiana? Because it's Hebrew. It's in the Psalms. And it clearly says it was understood by every Hebrew that preceded that moment and was there in that exact circumstance. Save us, we beg you. 
save us. Look in the Psalms. You'll find it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. We beg you. You have to save us. You're our only hope. How beautiful. How awesome for those who did recognize Messiah. Writing in to do what? To deliver all who would give themselves to believe this is what? Like John the Baptist said. Oh yeah. There were people in there for sure that had been baptized when John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God. Behold him. Look at him. Don't look at me. Don't look around. Don't look at one another. Look, don't right now. Don't even look in. Behold, everybody, that's the Lamb of God, y'all. Our rescuer, our deliverer, our hope. He's come. He's arrived. And friends, what is going on right here, right then in that timeline of Scripture? Passover. Passover. The memorial. The marking. And I would say, and then we'll bring this to a close. I would say we've forgotten what these people were remembering. We have forgotten what God ordained and back in Exodus said, you know what? This will be a perpetual memorial. This night will be an observance for me. For all of Israel. For the rest of time. Forever. It will be what? The perpetual Passover. So friends, this is an invitation to you. To what? Once again, observe the perpetual Passover. Please subscribe. Share this video, please. If you think it has any substance to it, please weigh it. Ask the Lord, is this true? If this really ruffles your feathers, it's okay. God, is this true? Is there anything within this that's true? Read it for yourselves. Study it through, through what I'm presenting before you. I'm just presenting it. You do with it what you desire. I would charge you to pray into it and say, Lord, is this true? And if you think it is, please share this with friends, family. We're going to go, man... I'm just going to do it. I don't care if one person listens. This is worth one person having eyes open to see. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We're going to do part three right after this. Please check it out as soon as you can. Amen.